0: Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome to She's All Over the Place. I'm so excited to have you here. Today, I have an amazing artist who I met on Broadway. She played the queen in Bad Cinderella, Andrew Lloyd Webber, put on Bad Cinderella in New York City. And I saw the performance before it recently closed. And Grace was very graceful and said yes to come on to the show. So we're going to talk about Grace today, her performance and her journey as an artist. Thank you so much, Grace, for joining me. How oh are you? Oh my God!
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. It was so cool to meet you um, after the show. And I'm just so flattered that you have invited me onto your Amazing show and we're gonna get to talk for a little while. It's very cool.
0: My pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Your performance was just mind blowing. Oh, and actually, after I uh met you and saw Bad Cinderella, I then four times in a row went to Spotify and I listened to the whole soundtrack. So anyone who wasn't able to be in New York City and they missed out on the show, if you have Spotify, just check out Bad Cinderella so you can hear the amazing performances and the and the uniquely brilliant story. Yeah, that's actually the
1: London cast. On okay. Spotify, we, um, the New York cast, we don't have a recording. I'm sure there are bootlegs. I'm sure there are bootlegs. Um, yeah. Just uh, for those of you who know how to find those things, have at it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Good luck. But yeah. On Spotify, <laughs> that's the that's the London cast.
0: Yeah, because I was looking at the names, but you know, I didn't know like what the protocol was. Thanks yeah. for letting me know that. So diving in, where are you from? Yeah, I'm
1: originally from Southern California. I was born in uh, Orange County, in Newport Beach, the O C, as they say. And um, yeah, I grew up there. Really, man. I just don't have the Southern California energy. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, people who meet me are like, no, 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 no. With that white skin, that fair tone, how could it be? surely it's Maine or Massachusetts, a New England gal. Well, eventually I got here. You know, I grew up there. So my first 18 years and then, um, yeah, I moved to New York to come to school and I've been here for 21 years. My gosh, over oh, half wow. my life I've been in, in New York City.
0: Yeah. Since you chose school when you were 18. So then you just knew New York was your calling before you even came. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really know till
1: I was maybe 16. I did a summer high school program at NYU between my the junior and senior years of high school. Yeah. And that was my first time like being away from home by myself, really spending an extended amount of time in New York. And I was like, Oh, wait, 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 this place is cool. You know, I thought I was going to go. Um, most of the schools I applied to were California schools, UCLA, USC, Cal State Fullerton has a great drama program. What was the other one? Long Beach, I think. Yeah. And then New York said, why don't you just spend all your money and come here? And I said, You're right, New York. I think I'll do exactly that. Yeah. There's something about the energy here, yeah, that's just um I don't know, just matched my sort of la 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 sort of constant little little buzz. Um that mm. I didn't quite feel it's like very chill in, in Southern California, which is great. That's great for a lot of people. I just am not a chill person. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. I'm learning as I get older, you know, to chill out. Yeah. But there's um yeah. there's just like a constant creative energy going on here, which is amazing and also duh raining oh it's tiring to be here demands so much of you right
0: maybe we can get into that Well, first yeah. I was just wondering when you were 16 what was the program that you came yeah I went to it New was York.
1: an NYU summer high school drama program so it was okay. me there were maybe 32 of us total 16 doing a musical theater program and 16 doing just as acting program and I was doing just the acting program um, because I didn't Consider myself like a musical theater performer, even though I was—I mm-hmm. went to a, a performing arts high school. I went to a school called OSHA, the Orange County High School of the Arts. Although now it's just called the Orange County School of the Arts because it's more than just a high school. At the time, it was just a high school. The only acting program there was in the musical theater program, so I was in the musical theater program. But I didn't consider myself a musical theater performer just because I didn't—I didn't sound like those of uh, everybody else. I did it and I said, "Well, mm-hmm. I don't want to. I'm going to just sing how I want to sing." And ironically. All I do is work in musicals. All I do is get hired for the new weird musicals, which is
0: pretty fun. So, yeah, I mean, your voice is really next level. Thanks.
1: Thanks. Well, and for that role, for the queen, that was some real ridiculous stuff. that I decided to do. And they said, OK, <laughs> which is nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> OK, so then after the summer program, um, when you came for school in 18, which program did you go I went
1: to? to NYU and I went to the musical mm-hmm. theater program, but I only was there mm-hmm. it, um, it at NYU. They have um, I don't know how many they have now, but at the time when I was there, they had nine different acting studios. So they're all under the umbrella of the NYU Undergrad program. Each studio had sort of a different um, focus. There was the Stella Adler Studio and the the Atlantic Theater Company had a studio. Playwrights Horizons has a studio. Experimental Theater Wing. I went to the musical theater program, but I only was there for two years, and then I transferred out to go to the classical studio, which is just a year long. It was just Shakespeare, which was awesome. And then I did the experimental theater wing. Meanwhile, I was studying art history just cuz I was at a college that had a good program and I wanted to study it, and I didn't quite know what I was going to do with that. Um but then it ended up that I um I wrote a musical based on a woman whose art I discovered while I was studying um medieval art. That was my focus was medieval art. So weird. Don't oh. know why. Just had, just yeah. liked it.
0: Did you want to share that role or character?
1: Yeah, absolutely. S- so the um the woman I wrote the... Who you found? Yeah, her name's Hildegard von Bingen. A lot of people know mm-hmm. her, if you've heard of her. It's actually, she is talked about in in music courses, like in music survey courses. She's one of the, she's an early, uh, she's a 12th twelfth century German mystic. She was singular. You know, she was making art at a time when all of the art, at least in in Western Europe in the 12th century, like it's confined within the church, within the Catholic church, right? And so most artists you're just making it and it's just for the church. Like you're not going to sign your name to that. But her name is on everything that she made really because she was a mystic. She like had this divine relationship with God. And um, so, and the Pope said, that's cool. Let her do it. <laughs> so her music, her art, her poetry, the letters she exchanged with powerful people at the time, are um, they just have her singular voice. And the way that she's able to do that, and how generally women throughout much of history have been able to claim power, at least in the Western world, is by saying, she would say, listen, um, Frederick Barbarossa, the second Holy Roman Emperor, I'm a woman. And we all know that women are the lowest, most disgusting little pieces of snot on the earth. But we also know that God uses the lowest, most disgusting pieces of snot as his mouthpiece. So here's everything you're doing wrong, Emperor. And then she would move into the first person eye, like God is speaking through her. And she would say, here is that, you're awful. And you need to make all these changes. I didn't say it. God said it sincerely, Hildegard. So she just like got away with this crazy stuff and people loved her for it. And um, her art was just, was full of these, like these visions, like crazy creatures and inhuman. It looks like, like late 19th century, early 20th century, like modern art. It was like incredible way ahead of its time. But she was like, well, God showed it to me, so I'm going to write it down. She just lived a really cool life. I was fascinated by her. And then I had been writing music for a while, um, just with my band. Um, We're called Grace McLean and Them Apples. Although I think we've recently scrubbed a lot of the them Apple, Just look up Grace McLean. You'll find you'll find me on the places where you stream the things. And it actually, I'm jumping ahead. We're um, we're releasing a new album next year. We just signed with a label and our first single and music video are out now for a song called Reckless. Uh, check them out. They're really fun. I'm very proud of this. Uh, this music to share with you. Anyway.
0: Wow. Sweet. You, you, sweet. I squee- 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 sweet. 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 That's a, new, that's a yeah.
1: new one. And I'll have uh, all the links in the show okay, notes. OK, great. Too. Yeah, I'll send I'll send you the, the um the YouTube link for the video too
0: yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad I asked about the lady. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna research more, She's but dead. it sounds fascinating. It is, yeah. I'm a I'm a poet, oh, yeah. and I think a lot of artists. You obviously you can relate to her. I I'm sure. like eye bugging over here for people who aren't on the video. Jump <laughs> over to YouTube. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that so fascinating. I'm I'm really happy I Absolutely. asked. I think the person tuning in will really get some value from that. Let research. me just let me Thank just you. plug
1: the uh, the name of the musical that I wrote. It's called In the Green. It was at Lincoln mm-hmm. Center in 2019. We do have a cast album. You can listen to that. Um, Um, And it is licensable. There are actually a bunch of productions that have happened all over the country and internationally. It's a play for five women. It uses a live looping machine. I don't think you know about my music at all, right?
0: I didn't know until you sent your bio and I saw that you write for Lincoln Center. So uh, I definitely want to jump into all that you're talking about. So, I mean, she's all over the place is just that. We can (laughs) we can go. My listeners understand we can. That's how life is. We can go all over the place. But yeah, so I would love to dive in and hear more about the music, please. Yeah.
1: So um, so before I even wrote this musical, I've been writing for my band. It was a couple years before I discovered this um, mechanism called a looping machine. Um, and it was because uh, I was at a theater festival with a playwright who was working with Reggie Watts. Do you know who Reggie Watts is? Really cool performer, musician, comedian. Amazing dude. Anyway, he uses this looping station, and was um, I was just fascinated by it. And then a couple years later, I said, "Grace, just get yourself one." So what it is? It's um, it's a little box that records whatever you put into it and then loops it back. It just loops, 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 loops. A lot of guitarists will use it. Some like Ed Sheeran uses a looping station, right? Loops their guitar. But I. So I had been writing music for my band, but I'm not like a great instrumentalist, so it's it's kind of hard. I would like make things up on the piano. I would make like a bass line up. I'd bring things to my band members. My band is just me and two other dudes, a percussionist and a bassist, and we would work things out together. But with the looping station, my my voice is the instrument that I know best, and so with the looping station, I'm able to capitalize on that and expand. I become more than just one voice at a time. I can become fifty voices. I can harmonize with myself. I can make beats. I can slow things down. I can reverse things. There are all these different kinds of manipulations I can do with this instrument of my voice to amplify it. So I started writing with that with the band. It was super fun. So I can play with them, but I can also just play by myself. I've got a gig this weekend where I'm going to do a little set and it's just just me with the
0: looper. For the tech heads around here, where did you get yeah. it? And uh, like which brand, mm-hmm. which year? Yeah, yeah. Did you get an analog, a digital? Like what kind did yeah. you get?
1: So I use one... Um, um, the brand is Electro Harmonics. And I, I'm i still using the 2880, which is, I actually don't think they make that model anymore. The latest model is like the 84. 80- 95,000, 85,000, which I have, but it's a little bit different than the one that I'm used to using. So I haven't quite moved over to it, but it's, uh, it's Electroharmonics 2880 is the one I use literally when I decided to buy one, I just Googled what kind of looping station does Reggie Watts use. And then I bought that kind. And I've met other vocal loopers since then who, um, many of them tend to prefer the boss varieties and boss comes Mm. in a lot of different, um, sizes there's a single looper there's a double there's it goes up to like seven seven different tracks and other vocal loopers that i've met tend to like the boss variety but um electroharmonics is what i learned on i learned it i think i bought it used from guitar center like over 10 years ago and it didn't come with an user manual so i just had to like trial and error figure out how to use this thing
0: (laughs) youtube's great for that. oh yeah
1: also just being bad at it (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I like how you use the the used version. I, I uh, always tell artists when it's your first time you're playing with it, get something used. So you're not spending all the money on the new technology because by the time you get good at it, you could just, you know, get rid of it like as your training wheels ones and then and get yeah. a new one. But and if you're not into it, then you're not wasting all that money because we get so excited with the ambition and then end up overspending a lot of the time. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. And you don't need to do that
0: yeah so diving in tell me about the lincoln center how you're writing music so yeah so my
1: relationship with them sort of started in 2015 when um somebody approached me about they were going to have a contest <laughs> for some bands to perform at um the one of their spaces and they had these three different bands and people could vote for who do you want to see perform live at the atrium at lincoln center and somehow i mm. won and I got to do this amazing show and it it was like, fully packed and I had my band and I had backup singers and I had orchestrated things and I really like to um, involve my audience like I'll make goodie bags for my audience and we'll sort of like have little treats and things that we'll play with throughout the show sort of like feels like a five-year-old's birthday party where there's like little prizes and like there's snack time and I just like involving people in the things that I make in sort of a a visceral way anyway that was really fun and they loved it so then they invited me back the next year didn't have to compete this time and they gave me um, a sort of big bigger space. And then the year after that, they gave me an award for an emerging artist award. And then that came with some like prize money and a little concert I got to do for their fancy donors. And then after that, it was when the theater department sort of got interested in me. I had a friend who I'd been sort of working on this Hildegard piece on and off for a while. And I didn't quite know what it was, but I would play songs at concerts with my band. And this woman who was a producer there at Lincoln Center Theater, she had been sort of a fan and she'd been following it for a while. And then after I did a concert at the Greenwich House Music School in New York that was um, just all stuff that I had written for the Hildegard piece, she shared that with her boss at Lincoln Center who really liked it and then offered me a commission, which was wild because I'd never written anything for theater before. But it was very cool that they were like, I think what you're doing is neat and weird. Here's some support. Incredible to just to have that kind of institutional support for someone who needed help (laughs) to figure out what the piece was, you know, Um, and they gave that to me. Yeah. Which was very cool.
0: Wonderful. Beautiful story. It's so aspirational for the person tuning in to know that they can Google search and they can enter contests. Oh, yeah. It starts with, you know, that one step and it leads to, you know, everything consistently following your passion, doing what you love. Yeah. Mm. So um, looking in 2023 and reflecting on your education at NYU, Mm. what are some, maybe a couple tools that you learned then um, that you apply to the theater now and in regards to when you see other theater Peers? Did they have the same training, or is it uh, a diverse background? Or how 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 is it in the jungle of when you're going on theater auditions and in the community of theater?
1: It's really interesting. You know, I I went to NYU for for undergrad. I didn't get a master's. I don't I didn't go to grad school. Um, and I did not really start a career in the theater until hold on, about seven years after I graduated. And in fact, I was about ready to leave the city. So here's here's my little magical story oh, that happened to me. Um, so I had been in the city for 10 years. This was 2012. And I had been, I'd already led so many different lives. you know. But as soon as I, here's the thing, as soon as I graduated from college, I was like, wait a minute, I have to make money now? <laughs> I have to mm-hmm. pay for rent? That's not from a grant or from some tuition money that's coming. So okay, I have to pay for my food. What the heck am I going to do? Well, I'm going to get as many jobs as I can. Man, like right out of school, I had I literally forgot to schedule time for sleep. You have to schedule time for sleep. Mm. You have to do that. That's an important thing. Learned that lesson. Anyway, I was like doing temp jobs. And the temp jobs turned into sort of longer actual jobs. And I was also doing like nanny jobs. And I was doing waitressing jobs, just like trying to literally just to survive. And um, the auditioning world was like, I didn't even know where to begin. It just felt so freaking far away. I didn't have representation. I didn't know how to get representation. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't feel, Seemed like there was a place for me at that time in the world of theater. So I was just like trying to stay afloat. And, and, um, there was, um, one person who who kept me creative. And it was this composer that I met right after I graduated called Liz Suedos. She passed away a couple of years ago, but she was an amazing, Mm -hmm. prolific composer, titan of downtown theater. She and um, uh, Ellen Stewart, who founded the La Mama Theater Company, which has been around since like the 50s. um, They were very close. Liz is just a super duper cool, fierce, scary lady who... Said, oh Grace, you're kind of weird and great. Come on with me. So I was doing at least one cool project a year with Liz. I think right after I met her, she had gotten this grant to record everything she had ever written, which was, I can't even tell you how many hours of stuff. And so um, you know, I would go through, she wrote this, she wrote it. Um, I'm gonna get back to me for a second, but she wrote a version of Alice in Wonderland called Alice at the Palace that was at the public theater in 1986 and Meryl Streep played Alice. And there is a there's like a PBS recording of this crazy, long, weird Alice in Wonderland show that Liz wrote that Meryl Streep is in as like a baby in a pink overall jumpsuit. It's really cute. Anyway, so Liz was just cool. And she was keeping me around. But anyway, in 2012, I'd been here for 10 years, I was kind of like just surviving, but I wasn't doing what I came here to do what I came to school to do, what I thought I wanted to do. It just wasn't happening. And I had no idea how to make it happen. Um, what did
0: you think you wanted to I do? I thought I wanted
1: to be acting in the theater, maybe on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be nice? It wasn't doing okay. it. was like it wasn't anywhere on my path. And I didn't know how to get it okay. on my path. I was making stuff of my own. I was writing for my band by then. I was like doing little gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I was recording stuff with Liz. Um, but I wasn't... Like it Mm -hmm. all felt like really small potatoes and I wanted more than small potatoes. I just wanted, I wanted something else. And so by the end of 2012, I was like, you know what? By this time next year, I'm not going to be living here. I'm going to be probably in school for something. And I felt so good about that decision. I was like, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to be in school for, but I would like to be a student again. I would like to be learning something. These things that I've been doing with my life. I just, I felt really, really stuck. Now at the end of 2012, I saw a show at, this little theater company called Ars Nova, which I had a kind of a relationship with as a writer. I had done a couple concerts there. I really liked the people there. There was a show, a musical there called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which was based on a portion of War and Peace. I went to go see it because I like Russian literature. I went on the last night and I didn't have a ticket. And I said, well, I'll just show up early and I'll get in off of the waitlist line. I got there an hour learning early. The line was 20 people long. There was no way I was getting in. I happened to know the first two people in line. They didn't know each other. They were both like, just come with us. You can be our plus one if we get in. The three of us got in. No one else did. It was this amazing show. They had totally transformed this little theater. So it was like not even in the round. It was like it was happening all around you. This crazy like electro pop Russian musical that I was just there was free vodka <laughs> I was drunk by the end of it. I was crying by the end of it. It was all so perfect. I said, great, that was amazing. A month later, I said, I'm not going to be here anymore. I've got to get out of town. And January of 2013, right after I would made that decision, oh, i just been dumped too. So I'd like all my tetherings were like, you don't have to be here. Get out of, get out of here. In January of 2013, Ars Nova called me and they said, hey, we're moving Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812. We're going to do another production of it in a larger space off-Broadway. Will you come and audition? And I was like, well, I don't do this anymore, but I loved that show. I'd love to just go in and tell them how much I loved the show. And then I Mm -hmm. kept getting called back and I was still like, I'm not getting this job because I'm not going to be here in a year. And then somehow everybody from that original cast was invited back to do the show, except one girl who decided she was going to take another job in Chicago. And I got her role. And that show kept me in New York. That started my having a career because that was my first... Broadway show. It didn't go to Broadway right then. It ran off Broadway for a year, took a little break. We went out of town at ART to do a bigger production. And then at the end of the following year, it moved to Broadway with Josh Groban. It was Josh Groban's first Broadway show. And I mean, I had Prepared and felt good about not even trying anymore, and it was something about like the moment of not trying that, like, oh, oh, here it is. This is how you do it. Do you know what I mean? You look like you know what I mean.
0: (laughs) I just, I, I just, I know it too well. You know, it's like nonstop since two thousand and one. It's what you hear when, when you don't have the wanting, the desperation. You just, when you just, I, I, I'm not going to name stories, but I've been in Hollywood, seeing girls with my agency where it's like. they left the business, they just stopped. And then all of a sudden, they're in this huge role or something and are on this TV show. And it's like when you have they call the effort card, you just don't care. And that's, and it's like, you want to not want you want to you want to not not act like you want it. You want to act like you don't want yeah. it. You're like, yeah, I don't need it. You're like, I want to do a good job, but I really don't care. But how do you really not care? Cause you're scared of not caring because then you might not get it. And then you just don't get yeah. it. So it's a
1: total, it. it's such a head game. It's such a head game, but like, it was an amazing yeah. thing to learn because I truly did not believe that I was going to get it like yeah. really fully. And that freed me up to just like, ah, just do it how I wanted to do it because I wasn't going to get it. That's how I got this Andrew Lloyd Webber job. I was like, there's no way they're going to cast me and an Andrew Le- I'm way too weird for this man. And they were like, no, 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 that's it. We want that weird. I don't know. I don't know how to. I have a question. Ask it.
0: You mentioned the W word many times. Weird. You're weird. <laughs> you're great. You're weird. You're great. You've mentioned that a few times. So is it all the time or do you save that weirdness for your auditions and, and put it into your craft?
1: I'm going to tell you. I don't think I know what it is that makes me. I'm just a me. That is the feedback that I get from others by being me.
0: (laughs) And but are you? mm -hmm. Well, what
1: I'm going to say is what I tend to the bit of advice that I tend to give to the young folks is to lean into your weird. And by that, I just mean like whatever it is that makes you you like I like medieval art. That's weird. Right. But I like it. And I decided to study it seriously. I just like get serious about your weird like if you have a thing that is yours make a craft around it you know like that's what I did with my voice and the looping station I was like how can I make this thing that I don't quite know where it fits I'll like make a place for it to fit that feels like good to me and then if other people want to hire me because of that that's cool you know, like that's how I had the relationship with Ars Nova who invited me to audition for the show is I came to them first with my own music that I had written because I wasn't getting work other places except for Liz. And Liz really taught me that lean into your weird thing, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I like a beautiful, well said, well said, mm-hmm. something to lean into. Yeah. So, so tell us on your journey. So this is your first opportunity for a year, then... Uh, you went around and then and then what's the journey after that? What year are we in?
1: Oh, well, uh, it was 2013 when Comet ran that ran through 2014. Still didn't get an agent. Talked to a lot of agents. I was like, I'm in a show. Don't you want to take some of my paycheck that I'm making right now? I'm like, no. OK, you were even offering that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But then I then I did a show at BAM. How was I getting these auditions? I don't know. I think some people, maybe like some casting directors, I think, had just come to see me and things and would just call me directly as opposed to calling the agent. The casting director would just call me. So I went, I did this show at BAM. And then I did this amazing show that I wish it should have a life just at like New World Stages as a weird little cult classic is called Bed Bugs. Three exclamation points is a musical. Huh. It was a it's like a cross between Rocky Horror and Little Shop of Horrors, like mutant bed bugs taking over the city and exterminator. I mean, that, that
0: was, I, mean I, I was living in New York in 2012, 2013, and uh, bed bugs were a big topic. Oh, then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they still are, but I know they were. Oh, then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're scary. It was like a horror, campy musical. It was so fun and really hard, actually, too. It was very hard to do. But I met some great people. And it was doing that. Then I got an agent. Somebody came in to see it and said, OK, well, I'll sign you. And then, oh, yeah, then I had two other jobs Those that, that agent didn't get me. is the casting directors. The casting directors are your friends. The agents, they'll negotiate for you. You got to know those casting directors. They'll come see the things it's- and they'll call you in.
0: It's so cool to hear in 2013, around that time, it would be the direct relationship with casting directors. I originally went to California at the end of 2001, and I went through the whole system of going through agents I felt there was a disconnect with casting directors, but oh. I guess more of that's TV and film, yeah. but I guess with live performances, they you could do mailings like write them a postcard if you're going to be in something to let them know. Now it's give them email them the link so they can watch the screener or even now email them if you're going to be in something live now that things have opened yeah. up. So it's great to know to have that direct connection with uh casting directors. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They're the ones who have who have the jobs <laughs> for you.
0: <laughs> and then with social media, it's a great tool because Mm -hmm. you can find them and like it, comment, and then they can see you and then follow you back. And I mean, the Huffington Post has written about you and the New Yorker and New York Times and and all that jazz. So um, they find you. So um, just, you know, it's a great opportunity for you to find them, but they they get to find you as well. But I'm kind of speaking to someone who maybe hasn't had those kind of write-ups yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's really about like doing the things, getting out there and doing them because people go see you. They want to see you. They want to see you in action. And I guess now there's a lot of like, you can post, you can do stuff in your room and you can post it online and you can have that. I don't know. For me, I prefer the live stuff. It's hard to get people to come to the live stuff sometimes because there's so much going on. (sighs) Um,
0: Especially in New York, there's so much going (laughs) on and maybe they want to come, but they just can't make that time or it it rains or something. So in 2023, um, what are ways that you will invite people, your communities, to come see you? And maybe, you know, the people that you don't know, besides posting it on your social media, how do you call them, send them an email, send a Postcard, like what are good ways for you to connect with people that you want to come to your show, and what kind of people, in addition to casting directors, do you want to come to your show?
1: Yeah, well, I'll say I have three shows this summer um, with my band at Little Island. We have a little residency, which I'm super duper excited about. And on, I actually haven't publicly announced it yet, but like Monday next week or early next week, I'm going to send out an email to my email list, which you can sign up on if you go to my website or maybe you are at a show and I have an email list sign up. I'll send out something about that. I'm going to post about it on my socials. And that's all that I'm going to do. That's all that I'm going to do. What I I had a show at Little Island last year, and I hired someone to video it for me, which was I'm going to do for these shows as well because it's really smart. Because not everybody can be there, but if I have a video of that live show, I can post snippets of it. I can post a whole song. I, I'm not going to post the whole concert, but I'm going to post like a minute or I can post five minutes um, so that you can see. Oh my gosh, this is what it was last year. I either came to that show and I loved it, I want to come back, or I didn't get to come see that show and I'm going to come back. What's so fun about Little Island too that I'm I'm very excited about and that happened when I was there last year and I expect to happen again is um, it's outdoors, it's free, it's gorgeous. Random people come. I like a lot of my mm. friends and fans. Came Came, you know, th- I'm I'm somehow at this point in my career where a lot of the audience is people that I don't know personally anymore. For a while, it's like just your friends come, the same couple friends come, and that's great. But then they'll tell their friends, and that's how I first. Do you know who uh, Philippa Sue is? She's a musical theater actor. She was in the original cast of Hamilton. She's in Camelot right now. She was in the um, musical adaptation of um, Amelie. She was Amelie. She was in Natasha Peer in the Great Comet of eighteen twelve with me as the lead. Anyway, I first met Pippa when she came to one of my concerts because. She was in school with a friend of mine. Anyway, you just you never know who's going to show up or who's talking about you. And if it starts with your friends, that's great. And your friends are going to tell their friends. And then eventually people that you don't know who they are are at your shows. And that's really cool. I'm looking forward to the randos. I'm looking forward to the people that I don't know and the people who don't know me who happen upon the concert and are going to hang out.
0: Yeah. And it'll be in the show notes. But what is uh, your website?
1: gracemcleancom
0: Great. And then um, all the social medias will be in there right. as well. That's so neat. And yeah, with social media, you know, TikTok and YouTube shorts is really popping. So doing some um, a 15 second, 30 second, uh, one minute clip is great. Those little clips that you chop up and then repurpose them on social media. Yeah. So that's really um, smart uh, strategy. And then a uh, great way to outreach you know for the next show for sure oh (laughs) gosh yeah the next wave Mm -hmm. cool so kind of jumping into then you were already full-blown and then everything closed down in 2020 Uh, how was that experience for you what did you do to propel yourself forward
1: i did a lot of writing um i had been working on a couple of theater projects um with collaborators before the shutdown. And then we used that time to get a bunch of drafts done. You know, one of the one of the things I'm proudest of is in like winter of 21. So everything was still pretty, nothing was happening. There had been there was a theater company who had seen some little showing or had heard about something I was working on with a collaborator. And they said, well, how can we help you? It's this We have, you know, some of this funding that we have to use somehow. How can we help you? And so my collaborator and I said, what we want is for you to find us a space where we can go and write and for you to pay us a little stipend. And they said, okay. So they found a donor who had an extra property in upstate New York that they let us use for a week, they paid us a little stipend, which we used to like buy our groceries. My husband came with us and was our personal chef. So we would just ride all day and he would cook us food and tend the fire. It was so cute. And we got an entire new draft of our show because we asked something very specific of people who wanted to help us out. Um, So we, we like, we created a writing retreat for ourselves where none existed. We conjured it. Um, And that was really, really useful um, to just have that dedicated space and time to focus on the work. Now, I'm also going to say the pandemic was a really great time (laughs) for my husband and I to um, truly like disconnect from the freneticism of this ridiculous world of art making and entertainment and all of that. It was really useful. We bought a car. New York City, why would I have a car? Bought a car in the pandemic, I could tell you what. And we went on a long, long road trip where every day it was the seat of our pants. Where are we going to go? We're going to find a place to camp. We're going to get as far away from people as we can. Hope to God there's no cell phone reception. I want nothing. I want stars. I want trees. I want you and me. And it was so incredibly healing. And it was, I didn't know it was a camper. Now that's all I want to do. I love, it. I love sleeping on the ground. There was something so again, healing just about being away from like, k- 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 screens and things and Oh, trying to do concerts on my computer. Oh, that was the worst. I did so many of those. It was so hard. Because you're like, I'm doing a thing. And I'm singing my song. And can you hear it? <sighs> I'm sweat like there's nobody there. I mean, they're there. But I don't there's no there was no exchange of people. So anyway, yeah. to just like have a reordering of priorities was really, really useful. And now I try to bring that now that things are back and things are happening and you got to get this job and there's the audition. And now we're in-person auditioning. We got to do that again. Oh my God. And get those muscles back up and performing for people. Like it's so wonderful to perform for people. It's also exhausting. And so there's a real priority in, I'm actually going to take my day off I'm a step away from this. I'm going to find a tree. I'm going to look at it. And just that, that's become something that I really try to remember to do because it's rejuvenating. I didn't even know how much, how drained I was. That's what the pandemic showed me. I mean, I showed a lot of us, I'm sure.
0: I love it. I love it. It's so great on so many levels. And I really liked hearing your story. (laughs) Thank you for sharing those intimate moments. They're really special. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, a couple things that are percolating, you mentioned going in for auditions, Whoop. any tricks or tips um, for people, you know, when they go on their auditions, yeah. and um, things that you do to prepare to center your core yeah. and anything you want to share for, you know, the fellow that's being out there.
1: The thing that I've started really prioritizing more and more is um, practicing with other people. I mean, there's you got to like, prepare on your own. But the more that you can like do it in front of somebody else and just say the words and practice the thing and do it, that's a that's really helpful. Because when you get in the room, you've already done it feeding off of somebody else's pheromones or whatever it is that you're going to smell from them. I do that with um, my music auditions too, like when I have to sing for a while, you know, they'll, they'll 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 oftentimes if it's a singing audition, they'll send you like an accompaniment track that you can practice to and that's useful. But It's more useful, I found, to hire somebody for half an hour to get into a room with you to play through the song in real time. Because, you know, it's something as simple as like the acoustics are different when it's live as opposed to recorded. And acoustics is a physical thing. It affects your body. So if you can... Practice and rehearse with those acoustics in your body, you're going to experience it differently when you're in the audition room.
0: It's personal and it's, it could be neurotic, you know, and overwhelming. And, you know, as a sensitive artist, if one is sensitive mm-hmm. with tech and getting it right and wanting that focus to, you know, that obsessive compulsiveness to focus. But for someone maybe who doesn't have funds to pay someone for a half hour hour, that's one option. Cause sometimes I'm thinking, I'll use me as an example, like who's going to want to do this with me? You know, like people are busy, like, so what kind of friends do you yeah. have? And what kind of communities are you involved in? And then something that came to mind, you know, it, here in New York City, we have open mic. So Ooh. the New Yorkian Poetry Cafe, you can do it in front of people perform. There's comedy clubs. So if it's something comedic <laughs> and you have your five minutes or something, you know, you could go and perform some kind of open mic kind of oh, thing, yeah. maybe in in one's town. But in regards to communities or anything Um, Any other um, ideas that percolated for you to be able to get time with people without, I mean, you have a husband, so you're lucky, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you're like, sit and do it, please. I need you. Or, you know, whatever the communication is, they're kind of the kind of have to in a way, but or not. But, um, (laughs) you know, you have your go to people who like are your ride or dies you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll again, I'll use me personally, I found it very difficult, you know, uh, with a lot of anxiety, it's because I'm not getting paid, you're not getting paid, we're not getting mm-hmm. paid to audition, and we prepare for these two minutes you have in the room or five minutes if you're lucky yeah. for a redirect or something. But it's like I'm, I'm, you know, maybe self-inflicting or maybe not excited enough or just, you know, just I've had my own struggles I'm sharing because the person tuning in probably feels the same way. But who's going to want to, you know, spend an hour with me or, you know, oh, I'm gonna call my friend Jules again, or I'm gonna call my friend Zach again. It's like you have your kind of go to people, but feel deep down that you're kind of bothering them, or you have to send them a gift or you know, to, I don't know, any other healthy ways that you learned along your journey to um, have people play with you and listen, hold the space that you need? Yeah,
1: I think you've got to be willing to play with them and listen and hold the space that they need. You know, there's a There's there can be kind of a tit for tat. I help my best friend with their auditions and they help me because we're we we understand we're we're a part of the same community. And so therefore, we have to do things together. And here's the thing. If you're like if you are a person who's like, oh, I don't know if I have that community, you're going to get it. I mean, this world is all about community the world of acting anyway and auditioning like you're going to work with people you will work with them again and again they understand what it is that you're going through so maybe you're going to be someone that they call when they need their audition done and if you can show up for them when they really need you you know they'll do it for you because that's that's how we build community is by you also showing up for other people in your world Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Mm Yeah, well said, well said. So we're honing it in here. Any last words of wisdom that you want to share with the person tuning in or anything coming up that we should know about? Oh
1: my gosh, I think I've told you everything you You'd ever need to know. Um, yeah. You know, got those concerts coming up this summer. It's going to be real fun. Uh, first one is July 23rd at Little Island.
0: Wait, where is Little oh, Island? Oh, Little Island.
1: So cool. It just opened not last summer, but the summer before. Um, It's on the Hudson. It's like maybe just below Chelsea Piers or just north. Of, I don't remember exactly where, <gasps> but it's... It's
0: in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's I- way... it comes to you. Must. You must. It's so fun. It's free. It's beautiful. It is on the Hudson. Yeah. And... There's this performance space that's on this grassy knoll and it overlooks the water. During the concert, you're going to watch the sunset. It's so pretty.
0: I'm going to be there. Yeah. And um, for me personally, I mean, she's all over the place. Uh, is, for a few reasons, I'll just give you one. One, because I've traveled a lot and my heart and soul just really wants to be in New York City all summer. So I, I plan to be here and I just really want to focus on myself right mm-hmm. now. And I want to focus on um, my craft and um, building community, mm-hmm. just being present just staying grounded and being in one place, which I think is so important with, you know, the the stuff we're sharing and caring about, mm. you know, being grounded. So each moment has a, their season. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the last thing I would say is, yeah, I encourage you listener to take care of yourself. You know, there's mm. the work is hard. The work is hard and it's personal and it's um, draining and you got to refill that well. And, um, Yeah, maybe that's like sleeping an extra hour or taking a bath or giving yourself some tea when you take a little walk. Like those things are so important. They are. Yes, they they will serve the work. But I think it's better if you think about like, I'm going (laughs) to because there's a part of me that's like, I'll sleep this extra hour so that I'm more ready to do better work. That's one way to do it. But also I'm going to sleep this extra hour because I just need it and it feels really good. And things are allowed to feel good.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Without the guilt or shame. Mm -hmm. I actually uh, have one last question Mm -hmm. that came up, if that's okay. I was thinking about the process you mentioned of having representation, not having representation, having a show, not getting representation, Mm -hmm. and then getting representation. And, you know, I'm not sure how it is for you. Some people get representation, and it's ride or die. They stay forever. Some bounce around. Uh, In 2023, any tips and information you can share with the listener tuning in about representation and uh, how to treat those relationships of the people who represent you.
1: Yeah, you know, you want to be with people who you feel like you can really talk to and communicate with. The thing to remember, too, about representation is that they're working for you. They're taking the money that you are earning. Yeah, maybe they're going to help you get the job, but you also, it's ultimately going to be you that gets to know the casting directors. Like, you're in the room with the casting director when when you get that audition. Those people are going to ask your agents about, you You know, just remember that they're working for you. And yes, you want to be, I just had a, a really great conversation with my agent today about a project that I've been working on. And I'm like, I wanted to share, I just wanted to like talk some of my feelings out with them. It was had nothing to do, like the project was over. Everyone's already been paid, but I wanted to recap with them the feelings. And um, I'm able to do that with this person because of the relationship that we've built. You know, like it's a business relationship. Yes. But you want to be able to communicate clearly the things that you're thinking and feeling or reservations that you have about a role or about an audition. And yeah, you know, sometimes I'll send like when I do a self tape or something, I'll send my agents several takes because I don't know which one to submit. And I look for and respect their feedback. And I and I and I expect it. I expect them to tell me what they think is is going on with with, you know, the work that I'm doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, really useful. And I guess just a quick one. Uh, what One or two favorite moments with bad Cinderella. Oh, man. Well,
1: gosh, I loved that number with all the men. I don't think I'll ever get to oh. do something like that again. That was so wild.
0: Oh. So oh, fun. Yeah.
1: Just me and a bunch of shirtless dudes. Yeah.
0: Delightful. <laughs> you go, they're like, should I open the window? You're like, no, I love I love it. the
1: smell <laughs> of your stench.
0: <laughs> Woo! Yeah. So fun. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. It's just all the people were really, really lovely. A great, great cast of people. We're mm. still communicating with each other. We see each other sometimes, you know, there's a Broadway softball league that we are still um, members of. I don't play, but I go and watch. It's really fun. It's just a, a great community of people. You know, it isn't always that way, but um, this was a great cast. And I think we'll, in some way or another, stay in touch with each other. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Great. Well, congratulations on everything. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome back on She's All Over oh, the Place. Thank Anytime. Thank
1: you. It's been great.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see you uh, perform really soon mm. and uh, follow your journey along the way.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. This has been lovely. Thanks for taking the time to
0: chat with me. My pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for joining Grace and I on She's All Over the Place. Please look at the show notes, follow Grace, share this with one person. Because of you, we're in the top 2% out of all known podcasts. Please give us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify, and uh, you can even leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out.